right. Very good. Last week, uh, I introduced um, kind of a new discussion about seeing a victory in our life and what to do if you are like kind of wavering in your faith and how to guaranteed, I said a guarantee last week, how you could guarantee to see victory in your life. Amen. Was it good? You guys get something? So I'm going to just quick go over those four points that I shared last week. And if you were taking notes or you need to uh, revise your notes, please do that. Step number one to a guarantee for a victory in your life. Step number one was the first thing. You're, you've been attacked or you're seeing some kind of defeat. You have to recognize that Satan is your opponent. Recognize the source of that attack, okay? And stand your ground. Know who you are, right? Step number one, don't be blaming God. Don't be blaming Pastor Allen or the church, you know, or, or your goody-two-shoes neighbor. Know who that is that's attacking you. All right, step number two, be sure that a promise of God, which is a scripture, a piece of the word, covers the thing that you want to ask God for. So, in other words, you can't ask God what we said to change a Krispy Kreme donut into pure protein. Okay, that's, that's outside of the bounds of God. Man. Doggone it. All right, so make sure that you have found a promise that covers what it is that you're believing for. All right? Step number three. This is so important. Check yourself. Make sure you're not living in some type of sin, even if it's unaware to you. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you, Lord, is there something I need to adjust? Some little change I need to make in my life. We talked about some things are kind of in your face, blatant sin that we know we are in sin. And some things are kind of hidden away in the back of our mind and we need to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal those things to us because sin can hinder our prayer. Amen? And so many people go around, I don't know why God's not answering my prayer when they forgot to ask, they forgot to look in the mirror themselves. All right? All right. Step number four was to be sure no doubt or unbelief is permitted in your life concerning that promise that you just found. All right? Satan has attacked. You've gone to the Word. You found a promise. You said, there's me a promise. Lord, is there anything in me I need to change? All right, now, there's that promise right there. I believe it without any doubt. I believe that promise is for me. That's step number four. All right? So tonight, I'm going to get through all the rest of the steps so we can finish this up tonight. And I'm just going to dive right into them. You guys ready? Step number five. Here it comes. Sincerely desire the thing or the benefit or the result. We'll just call it the thing. Sincerely desire the thing that you are going to ask God for. 
And so let me just read Mark 11:24. How many of you memorized it? Because I, I, I told you to memorize let Mark 11:23 through 25. You're supposed to memorize it. Okay. Next week, we're going to have a test. Mark 11:24 says this. Therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. I mean, it's pretty laid out. It just doesn't get any more plain, right? And let me just say, there are many, many things that we can draw out of that one verse right there, okay? But right now, I want to focus on that word desire. It says desire. And you might be saying, well, now, I asked. I'm going to ask God for this. It must mean that I desire it. Isn't desire like I'm going to ask, so I must desire Did you know that most of our prayers are just kind of wishes? Just just passing thoughts. A lot of times we pray things and they're just some... Lord, please make it stop raining because I'm just tired of rain. Now, did you earnestly desire for it to stop raining? You kind of want it to stop raining, but it was just a passing thought, right? Or even something more sincere like, Lord... I wish that you would heal me of this asthma. You just said wish, right? Okay? It's just a passing thought. There's no passion. There's no earnest desire in that prayer. Okay? There are places, many places in Scripture that describes that desire as earnest desire. It's a type of desire that comes from somewhere down in here. A moaning, a groaning desire, something that you have got to have. You have to have it, right? And you grab hold of that thing that you're believing. You grab it deep down in your spirit and in your being, and you don't let go. Okay? I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you. It says, you desire. So it didn't say, well, I'll let my neighbor desire that for me, or I'll let my pastor pray that for me, and then I'll go about my business, okay? You desire. And sometimes there's something that we really desire for someone else. We talked last week. Lord, please save my alcoholic brother, right? Okay? Lord, please heal my wife of these migraines or whatever. Lord, don't let my friend who was in an accident die. You see, you're, you're earnestly desiring that for someone else, right? And in all of those cases and many more, there's other factors involved besides just your desire, okay? First of all, every person has a free will. Every person has a free will. And you cannot override that person's free will. All right? We can pray. We can continue to pray for your brother's salvation and for restoration. We can pray that the Lord would send people to minister to the person that that we're praying for. We can Pray that that alcohol would taste bitter to his taste. We can pray those things and we can expect answers to those prayers. 
But in the end, it's, the, it's your brother's decision. It is that other person's decision whether they decide to follow Christ or not. In the end. Okay? Another thing <laughs> that we need to consider is when a person is a baby Christian, I'll call it baby Christian. You know what I mean when I say that. A newly saved person. Or someone who has never learned who they are in Christ. Someone who's never been taught the promises of God. Or your child who's too young to understand those things. Okay? Thank you. Those people can ride on your faith for a little while. I'll use, it, I'll use that term. They can, they can ride on your faith for, for just a little while. In other words, you can pray things for them in faith, and as they're learning and growing, you can pray on their behalf and expect those answers because you are in some position of authority or you're, you, you know, like a, a person that comes up to a prayer line and the pastor prays for healing and they get healed. Because, you know, they, the pastor said a word and they believed it and they received it and they were healed. Okay? But then they go away and they don't train themselves and teach themselves about how to hold on to that healing. They will lose it. And eventually God is not going to, he's not going to honor them coming back to the pastor 14 times to get the same thing. You understand? But for a while... A person can ride on your faith. That's just a little extra tidbit, okay? So just remember, when it comes to you as an individual, sincerely desire the result, the benefit. Believe God. You can do that for yourself, okay? But when it comes to other people's desires, their wills are involved, what you got to do is you got to get that person to come into agreement with you and the word. And so it may take a little bit. It may take a little discipleship to get that person to come into agreement with what you are desiring for them. Does that make sense? All right. So number five is desire. De earnestly desire. One second. All right, <clears throat> number six, ask God in faith, here's the biggest part, without wavering, believing that you have asked, what you have asked is yours. Ask God in faith without wavering and believe that what you have asked for is yours, okay? So watch this. Up until this step right here, you haven't actually asked for anything. All last week, we didn't talk about prayer or asking for anything. Up until step number six, you haven't asked God for anything. Okay? <laughs> I want to encourage you to remember to take these steps in order. God is a God of order. Right? Take these steps in this order, it's very important. All right? So you've been under attack. You're looking for a victory. 
And so you go through the steps. Step one, you know who's attacking you. And step two, you find that promise. And step three, you check yourself. I'm good, okay. Step four, I will not doubt that promise. I know that's for me. Step five, you have earnestly and sincerely desired that thing. Here you are at step number six, okay? Everything you just did, all of those other things are preparation. That's the preparation work. And then it's time to make your request known to God, okay? Can you see where most people go wrong? Can you see where most people miss it? They skip right over the first five steps, and they jump right into begging God to fix their problem. Can you see that? And, of course, when it, when it doesn't work, then they blame God. You know, it's this cycle, okay? Make sure you do the preparation and ask God for the victory after you've prepared. Would you go out in your backyard and say, I think I'm going to grow me a cornfield and just throw some corn seed out there in the lawn? No. There's preparation that has to be done. You, you plow, you take out the weeds, you know, you check yourself and, and uh, you get all the critters out of there and you turn the dirt and you, and you do all that preparation. You put some fertilizer in there to make sure that ground is good soil before you ever, ever throw the seed out there. Okay? Same thing. People go running off asking God to do this and do that, and they haven't prepared themselves. They haven't done the steps that lead to victory. All right? Okay. I hope I'm helping you. Now, you've prepared. It's time to pray now. It's time to pray to receive the thing that you desire from God, okay? And I did a long series, I don't know when it was, you guys remember, several months ago about the different types of prayer, right? I can't really go into all of that again. I don't know if it was two or three weeks of teaching on prayer, but you guys go back and listen to that if you want to understand the different types of prayer. But you need to know tonight, I'll just repeat, There are different types of prayer, okay? You don't approach prayer the same way with every situation, okay? Just like there's different kinds of sports, okay? You wouldn't play soccer with tennis rules, okay? You wouldn't go back there and play ping pong with football rules or spike ball hamp with, I don't know, badminton rules, whatever, Every sport has a set of rules that govern the way that that works, correct? It's the same for prayer. There are prayers of dedication when you dedicate your life to do something. Lord, if you want me to go to Swaziland as a missionary, I'll go. But did you see that big if? In a prayer of dedication, there can be an if. Lord, I'm seeking you. If you want me to go, I'll go. And you've dedicated yourself. But in a a prayer of healing, there's no if. You can't say, if you want me to be healed, I'll pray to be healed. There's no... A promise of God is a promise, and it says you are healed. Okay? You don't pray, if you want me to be healed, I'll be healed. 
So there's different rules that govern different types of prayer. You see what I'm saying? All right. So go back and listen to that so you know the differences. But this type of prayer is a prayer where we're asking to receive something. Okay? We're praying a prayer specifically to receive victory. We're receiving victory over whatever this attack is, whatever that's coming against us, whatever is messed up in our life. Okay? So let me just break down Mark 11.24. Let's just break it down. Again, it says, Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. All right? So, what things you desire, or whatsoever things you desire. In this verse, Jesus is talking about praying to receive things from God. So, what are these rules about receiving things? It says... Whatsoever thing you desire, when you pray, believe. When? When? When you pray, believe. After you pray? After you pray, believe. When you see the answer, believe. No. It says, when when are you praying? In that moment? The moment you pray, believe. You don't pray and then go, well, if I see something tomorrow, I'll believe. Or later, or whenever it comes. No, when you, it says, when you pray, believe. All right? Believe what? Believe what? Believe in God? Well, that's a good thing to do, but no, that's not what it says. Does it say, believe in the Bible? Well, we're believing about a promise that's been made, but that's not what this says. That's not what works right here. Believe what? Believe Jesus is the Son of God? Well, He is, but that's not what works right here. It says, believe that you receive them. When you pray, right then, believe that you receive them. Them what's? What's them? The thing that you're praying for. Okay? The, th- the them is the thing that you are praying for. All right? So easy. All right? So some people say, well, believe that you receive, and you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't see anything. I, I don't see anything. I don't feel anything. I don't think I have it yet. All right? If you had it, you wouldn't have to pray for it. <laughs> if you had it already, what would you be praying about? Right? All right. I'm going to read James 1, 5 through 7. James 1. Matter of fact, if you've got your Bible, turn to James chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. James 1, 5 through 7. It says, I think this is a new living. It says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. And he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. 
such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Wow. All right, so James right here, he's talking about receiving something right here. He's talking about receiving things. And he's speaking to Christians right here. And regarding that wavering that he mentioned right there, he's basically saying, there's no use in you thinking that you're going to get anything because you're not. That's pretty much what he said. Not because God doesn't want to give it to you, but because you are wavering, wishy-washy. Okay? The New Living, right there it says, divided loyalty, asking for one thing, believe in another, wavering, wishy-washiness is how we say it. <laughs> Look, you've got to stand your ground. When you, when you pray and ask, there's no, I wonder if that worked. You can't wishy-washy around. You cannot waver, all right? Ask in faith, don't waver, believe that it's yours, okay? All right, so you've asked. Here you go. So you went through the preparation steps, and now you have asked God for that thing, all right? Here's step number seven. Do not tolerate a doubtful, unbelieving, or contrary thought. Now, Miss Michelle, I thought you already talked about doubt and unbelief. Didn't you? That was step number what? Four. That was step four. Why are you repeating a step again? Okay? Step number four said you should not doubt that the promises are for you. Isn't that what I said? Step four is don't doubt that that promise is for you. Okay? That was before you asked for anything, remember? But don't let doubt or unbelief be born in your heart concerning a promise of God was step number four. Okay? But now you've said it. You prayed it. You put it out there. You got bold and you... You were prepared, and then you asked, okay? And now it's, e it's easier to fall into doubt than it was before. It's a lot easier to believe what you're reading right there and say, I'm not, I, that's for me. I believe, I, I, I know that, that promise right there is for me. I don't doubt it. I believe that's the truth. And then you go ask God, and now you've thrown it out there. And you're expecting some results. And when the results don't come, you're like, uh, well, and then that doubt comes. You think it was hard to believe when you were just believing the promise? You just doubled down on your doubt potential by saying it and putting it out there, okay? And now it's time to put 2 Corinthians 10, 5 to work. It says, cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's when you put that to work. Right? Now you've prayed it and doubt starts rising up. You quote 
2 Corinthians 10, 5, and you put it to action, okay? Never let a mental picture of failure remain in your thoughts, in your mind. Never doubt. Never doubt for a minute that you have the answer that you're believing for. Never doubt. All right? If doubtful thoughts try to stay around and hang around and whisper in your ear, what do you do? Resist them. Resist the devil and he will flee in terror. Right? So doubt is from the devil. Resist and rebuke him. All right? And just be aware that the devil moves around in the realm of suggestion. Okay? Some people think every dream and every vision and every impression they have upon their heart is straight from heaven. The devil can operate in that realm too. Right? So how do you know? How do, I don't know. How do I know if it's God or the devil? I don't want to go follow the wrong one. How do you know? How do, how do you know? It's super easy. Here's how you know. Those things that do not support and contribute to your faith, your faith in that thing you're believing for, if what you're hearing, what you're seeing, and what you're feeling in your inside doesn't contribute to that faith, then it's not of God. All right? Doubt and fear and unbelief and confusion... And distractions, they don't support that thing that you're believing for. That didn't come from God. If it didn't come from God, then it's the devil trying to whisper doubt and unbelief. He can't do anything to you, really. He operates in this area of, let me whisper lies. Let me whisper doubts. Let me get that person to not trust and believe. That's the way he operates. Okay? So if what you're hearing and feeling and, and seeing doesn't promote that thing that you're believing for, it didn't come from God. Okay? And when those doubts start to come, rebuke them. Philippians 4, 8 says, Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think on those things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So doubt and unbelief start coming in. Man, turn some praise and, mu praise and worship music on. That'll fix him. Right? Yes. Sec uh, Philippians 4.8. Philippians 4.8. All right. So y'all got that, right? No doubt. No doubt in step four. And then don't doubt again in step seven. All right. So let's go to step number eight. Step number eight, count it done. That thing that you've asked for, count it done, just like that song said. Now, Brother Hagen used to say this is the biggest area that he would get pushed back. The biggest area that people would push back on him when he would say to count something done calling those things that be not as though they are. Right? It is so difficult for most people, I would say, 
to say one thing when their circumstances are saying something else. It is the hardest thing for some people to do. They feel like they're lying. They feel like they are denying reality. Like they're living in some fairy tale la-la land when they say something that doesn't line up with their circumstances. They, they, they have a hard time overcoming that. All right, let's look at the word. Romans 4, 11, and a little part of 12. It's just given a description of Abraham. It says, the father of all those who believe, who also walk in the steps of the faith, which our father Abraham had. Okay? Abraham, the father of all who believe. And then Galatians 3, 29. It says, and if you are Christ's, that's me, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise, right? Are you Christ's? Do you belong to Christ? Then you're Abraham's seed, the spiritual seed of Abraham, the faith seed. You're a faith seed of Abraham. All right, Galatians 3, 7 says, Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Those who are of faith. Abraham was a faith man. And the seed of Abraham is going to, the offspring of Abraham will be faith men and women and children as well. Right? We are faith children of Abraham. Because we have the same kind of faith that he had. Well, what kind of faith is that? What kind of faith? I want to have that same kind of faith Abraham had. Man, because he had some faith. What kind was it? Well, huh. it's the kind that calls things that be not as though they were. That's hard for some people. Romans... 4.17 says this, As it is written, I've made you a father of many nations. Okay, God said that to Abraham. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls things which do not exist as though they did. The Amplified says, Speaks of the non-existent things that he has foretold and promised as if they already existed. That is good. That is a woo-hoo right there. All right. So somebody says, well, that's God. You know, God said that. And God can call things that be not as though they are, but, but I'm not God. All right. First... If it's wrong for me to call things that be not as though they are, then it would be wrong for God to do that. All right? Second, why does God call things that be not as though they are anyway? Because he's a faith God. We're talking about faith. This whole thing is about faith. He's a faith God. That's why he does it. And we are faith children of a faith God and so we ought to act like our daddy God, right? And call things that be not as though they are. Children of the devil act like the devil, don't they? 
children of God ought to act like God. Is that right? Ephesians 5.1 says, Therefore be imitators of God. Copy him and follow his example as well beloved children imitate their father. That's in the Amplified. You belong to God. God's your father. Act like your daddy. Right? It's no different than salvation. Are you saved? Are you saved? How do you know? Did your face change when you got saved? Your color your eyes or something? Your hair suddenly glowed? No. Did Jesus appear and tell you, my beloved child, you are now saved? Did he appear to you? No. You're telling people you're going to heaven, right? How do you know? Faith. 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 Because you're calling something that's not as though it is. I'm going to heaven. How do you know? I have faith. What's faith? It's calling something that's not as though it is. Right? When God told Abraham, I have made you the father of many nations. Did he say, I'm going to make you a father of many nations? When you see a nation appear in front of you, you'll be the father of it? That's not what he said, right? He said, I have made you the father of many nations. And Abraham, it says, Abraham believed like unto God. It even says he didn't even falter about what he, he didn't even waver. Yep, that's me. Did he see a nation appear before his eyes? No, he was walking by faith and not by sight. Sight, sight never calls things that be not as though they are. Walking by sight is walking by reasoning and understanding and senses, okay? Hebrews 11.1, 1. let's read Hebrews 11.1. 1. You all know what it. it says. Now faith is the assurance of the things that we hope for, being the proof of things that we do not see, and the conviction of their reality. That's in the Amplified too. The point is this. Begin to speak. Alright? But let your, let your words be the promise and not the circumstance. Not the People going to think you're crazy? Uh-huh. Okay? You might even think your own self's crazy. Sometimes. Keep calling that thing done. No matter what you see, no matter what you feel, or taste, or touch, or smell, or imagine, confess the promise and call it done. All right? Call things that are not as though they are. All right. Step number nine. Step number nine. Praise God while you're waiting. 
even before you see the victory. Praise God while you are waiting, even before you see the victory. Okay, so according to step eight, you've called that thing done. But it hasn't manifested itself yet. You don't quite see the result of what you have just called done. All right? So let's keep looking at, a at Abraham. Y'all go ahead and turn, if you will, Romans chapter 4, 19 through 21. Romans 4, 19 through 21. You need, to, you need to put a big circle around these verses. It says, it's talking about Abraham. It's in Romans, but it's reflection talking about Abraham, okay? It says, He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's room, womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promises of God. But he grew stronger in his faith as he gave glory to God. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Man, if we could just get that over on everybody and they would just let that sink in, we could get way past a bunch of junk. So many good nuggets in there. His faith did not weaken when he looked at the circumstances. But he actually grew stronger. But how did he grow stronger? You want to grow stronger in your faith, right? How did he grow stronger? How does this say he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God? And then he was fully convinced, fully persuaded. All right? You don't want to not weaken but grow stronger in your faith. You got to do these two things. You got to do those two things. You got to be fully persuaded and you got to give glory or praise to God. Y'all remember Philippians 4, 6. You don't have to turn there. Remember, it says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. It looks like that thanksgiving is just a part of prayer. Like, thanksgiving is just an expectation of prayer. All right? So, now let me ask you a question. If you don't see a result, or an answer, soon after you pray, you know how we are. Where is it? You don't see the answer right away. Are you going to pray again? Are you going to pray the same thing, thing over again? Let me tell you what Smith, Smith Wigglesworth said. If you pray seven times for any one thing, you prayed six times in unbelief. And Andrew Murray, he was an um, evangelist back in the 1800s. He said this, It is not good, it is not good taste 
to ask God for the same thing over and over again. If when you do pray, what you have prayed for has not materialized, don't pray for it again in the same way. That would be unbelief. Remind God that you asked for it and what his word says and tell him you are expecting it and then thank him for it. Did you get that? I think the truth is this. If people would stop praying the same prayer over and over, because you see what it's saying. I prayed this, and the, the steps here say, call it done, don't doubt, believe, call things that be... It doesn't say, and if that didn't work, then start over. Or, or, or go back to step number six and start there and try again. It doesn't say that, does it? If people would stop praying the same thing over and over and just start praising God, they would begin to see a whole lot of victory in their life. This is where we're missing stuff. Right? That's what dive is all about. We've got to get this stuff in us. All right, step number 10. The final step. Act like you have the victory. Act like you have the victory. Alright? So, now listen. You're going to act some kind of way or another. Right? If you're breathing, you're going to behave some kind of way. Right? You're going to get up in the morning and you're going to here I am. I'm going to act some certain kind of way today. You're either going to act happy or you're going to act sad. You're going to mope around or you're going to celebrate. You're going to speak negative words or positive words. Did you know it's just as easy to speak positive words as it is negative words if you just choose to do it? It, it don't take any more breath or like, you don't have to tighten up your diaphragm to make good words come out. And then bad words just kind of out. That's not, no, there's no extra effort, physical effort required to say something positive than negative. Here's the big thing. You get to choose. You get to choose. You get to decide every morning and all throughout the day which way you're going to act. How are you going to behave? And you say, well, you know, circumstances has just got the best of me. You just don't know how hard it is to work with so-and-so over there. Right? Or uh, you don't know how much pain I'm in. I can't help it if I say those things. I can't, I can't be fake. I'm going to say what's on my mind or what's the truth. I'm going to say that. Or if, if I'm in pain, by gosh, everybody's going to know it just by looking at my face. You get to choose. You get to choose. Let me ask you this. If you choose that, does it help your situation at all? No. If you've got this grumpy stumpy attitude does it make you feel better make your 
so-and-so over there behave any better? (laughs) It doesn't help at all. If you have really, really, really walked out the other nine steps that I've just given you the last week and then these, if you've really walked those out and you've done them, then you have to act like it's done. You can't do all those nine steps and then say, well, yeah, well. Right? Am I right? Everything in you has to scream victory. Everything in you has to scream from the pit of who you are, victory. Are you going to do it? Can you do it? All right. Before I'm finished, that's the end of that, but I want to tell you one quick thing before we go. I heard Joyce Meyer say something a couple days ago. You know, I have her little um, daily thing on my Facebook, and she said something that really struck me. She said, I'm going to read it. She says, we must be doers of the word. If you hear the truth of the word and you go back home and you keep on doing what you were doing before, you wasted your time coming to hear the word. That was good to me. That was so good. She, she said, if you're going to go from here after you have heard the truth of the word, go out that door and keep doing what you were doing and don't make any adjustments, why did you even come? You wasted, you might as well have gone to bed early because nothing's going to change. Right? I'm going to read James Chapter 1, verse 22 through 25, and then we'll go. It says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and you don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. And you see yourself, and then you walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. That's good, ain't it? I just said ain't. That's good, ain't it? That's good, ain't it? That is good stuff. I hope you guys will go out. I hope every time you come in this building... You hear the truth of the word. And one thing you can do is take what you hear and go home and test it out. Because I don't want you to just take mine and Pastor Allen's word for it. Okay? Because you've got to search it out for yourself and make sure we're not lying to you. And we're not making up something. But when you come in this building, my prayer is that every time every somebody comes in here and they hear the truth of the word, and they go back out... And they put it into practice. Because if we come in here and we just keep hearing this stuff over and over. And days go by and weeks and months and gosh, years have passed by. And we're still in the same junk we were 10 years ago. We have wasted our time. What in the world are we doing this for? Amen.
That's good stuff. Pastor Allen, you want to pray?